welcome to the Calgary Ward 4 2021 virtual debate. While this debate is being held virtually via Zoom, we would like to acknowledge that we are on the lands of the Treaty 7 territories and Region 3 of the Métis Nation. Participating Ward 4 candidates will square off in a debate about the issues posed by you, the residents of Calgary. Good evening. My name is Christopher Brown, the host of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, and tonight I will be the moderator. Prior to tonight's debate, we reached out to all candidates who were running for Ward 4 Councillor. All candidates were given the same information and given the same details about tonight's debate. Participating candidates in today's debate are as followed in alphabetical order. DJ Kelly and Angela McIntyre. The candidates have agreed to tonight's debate rules, and I will try my best to ensure that we keep on time and on schedule. Over the last two weeks, we have had over 70 submissions for tonight's debate alone. The candidates were not given the questions prior to tonight's debate, but were given the topics. Those topics include small businesses, COVID-19, infrastructure spending in Ward 4, policing and defund the police, tourism, and Green Line Phase 2. Now, for those who are watching via YouTube, I'm going to bring on the candidates now. Here they are. And we are going to start with opening remarks. Each candidate will have a one-minute opening statement. They will go in alphabetical order by last name. Opening statements will be from DJ Kelly and then Angela McIntyre. So whenever you're ready, DJ, you have one minute. Uh, hello, everyone, and thank you very much for tuning in tonight or whenever you may be watching this on YouTube. Uh, I really appreciate Chris uh, and the Cross Border Podcast for putting this together so that we have an opportunity to get some of our ideas out, uh, uh, out to you and um, uh, some of the things that we're advocating for. We'll get into the issues a little bit later on, but for right now, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself and why I chose to run. Uh, my background is uh, I used to be the president of the Winston Heights Mount View Community Association. Uh, currently, I'm employed as the manager of community engagement at the University of Calgary. Prior to that, I did digital transformation at United Way. And prior to that, uh, I actually spent six years at the city of Calgary, originally leading their marketing team. Um, our neighborhood, Winston Heights Mount View, is moving into Ward 4 in this election. And so um, when a lot of our neighbors found out about that uh, and realized who the incumbent was, I've suddenly got an awful lot of phone calls saying, it's time to run, DJ. Uh, we need some innovation and some change around the council table. Thank you, DJ. Angela, one minute to you whenever you're ready. Hi, I'm Angela McIntyre. Thank you, Chris Brown. Thank you, DJ Kelly, for this great conversation we're going to have. And thank you to the engaged citizens that are actually incredibly interested in this. Uh, Ward 4 is a fantastic place. The things that I'm hearing at doors is that people want a peaceful resolution of differences. They want increased community participation. They want respect for human rights. They want a balance between development and the environment. And they want cooperation between all levels of government. So with my background and my experience working with nonprofits, I think that I can bring that to you as your Ward 4 City Councillor. Thank you. I'm Angela McIntyre.
Okay, uh, just two seconds. Now we turn to the topics of tonight's debate. Once I pose a question, each candidate will have one minute and 30 seconds to respond to the question. After both candidates respond, they will be given an additional one minute if they wish. They, it is optional. They can take it if they want to continue on with their statement, but also add any additional information. I'm going to bring back the candidates once again. And again, the process for each topic will be in alphabetical order, but this time starting with Angela McIntyre. Topic one, small businesses. This question was posed by Michael. I have been in the process of setting up a small business within Ward 4. I am finding the process dealing with City Hall has been tiresome and confusing. As my next city councillor, how would you help constituents navigate the process at City Hall? A minute and 30 seconds, whenever you're ready, Angela. Thank you, Mike, for that question. I have been spending the last 25 years with my husband working on different small businesses, and I feel your pain. Um, my husband is a carpenter and also a builder, so putting together those development um, issues as well as trying to get through the red tape around setting up a business needs to become easier and more transparent for people. We together with a few other partners ran a bar called the Good Luck Bar and we, we struggled with the city regulations. So in order to get our local businesses, our small businesses going, we really need to make our permitting processes and our ways to get back to business easier to understand for everyone and faster so that we can get to work. So I hope that somehow I can help you through this. Uh, give me an email, I'd love to talk you through. Maybe I can help. Thanks. Thank you, Angela. DJ, amendment 30 seconds to yourself. Uh, yeah, thanks for the question, Michael. I, I think there's sort of two answers to this one. How can we help you? And then how can we actually help every single person going through exactly what it is that you're going through right now? So um, the first thing I would say in terms of uh, everybody who goes through this process, uh, I mentioned in the opening statement there, I did spend some time working at the city of Calgary a few years back. And uh, the last role that I played at the city of Calgary was around e-government and digital strategy. And really what that was about was about the user process to be able to accomplish tasks at the city of Calgary through online systems. So what I would say in terms of there, uh, um, what I've managed, what I worked on when I, when I, while I was at the city and then even at United Way and other places as well, is around how do we make the user experience as easy as possible. And you do that by starting with yourself, the user. What are you looking to get out of this process? And what is a reasonable timeline for you? What are, what are reasonable steps that the average person can take? Once we know what that is, then we can actually build a better system in order to be able to uh, improve so that you can get your, uh, your business license as easy as possible. For you specifically though, I am uh, more than happy to have a conversation with you about how I can actually facilitate 
uh, you getting through that process. Um, and I know that there are several not-for-profits in the city that also help in terms of easing that process. But let's get the process itself fixed so that it's a lot more simple in the long run. Thank you, DJ. Now for one minute return, if you wish. Angela, would you like to take one more minute and add on to your statement, if you wish? Sure. So one of the things that I advocate for as well is um, presenting things in plain language documents. And that means that we can make things accessible for everyone and we can create these avenues for people to get started in their business as quickly as possible. So um, I, I, that's, that's great, DJ, that you had spent some time working towards those goals. And uh, I think that they're still working on it at city council. And I think we can further it. I think that we can make these things easier for all of us. Thank you, Angela. DJ, one minute to yourself, if you wish. Yeah, I don't think I'll take the whole minute. I just, I, I, I definitely like what Angela's saying there in terms of plain language. That was something that Drew Farrell had definitely advocated extensively over decades around the city council table. Uh, where we really need to see is that 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 strategy or policy move into implementation, and that's always the difficult thing. The digital strategy that uh, that I worked on was council approved. But implementing it within the administration became quite difficult because once council approved the strategy, they just sometimes ignore it. They just don't follow up and ask, how's the plain language strategy working? How's the digital strategy uh, uh, working? Those are the kinds of things that I think that a council can take some uh, uh, ownership of in order to make sure that the things that they're advocating for are actually being implemented. Thank you, DJ. Topic number two, this is uh, first uh, answer will go to DJ. And this topic is COVID-19. Now, as you can imagine, COVID-19, it has been a hot topic issue. And we had multiple questions submitted on this issue. So while uh, each of the other uh, questions will be from a person, this is a hybrid of questions. So I do apologize right now that this is not by one person, this is by multiple people. The COVID pandemic has had a negative effect in our province and our city. The question is, while COVID-19 caused facility closures last year, and as we are currently heading into a fourth wave of the pandemic, how will you ensure that constituents will have access to our facilities heading into the colder seasons? DJ, a minute and a half to you whenever you're ready. That is, that's a fantastic question. I think it's one that we're getting an awful lot of the doors when we're going around. I mean, it usually tends to be a little bit more about uh, mask mandates and 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 uh, um, uh, vaccine passports and those kinds of things. I like that this question is a little bit more unique about the city facilities themselves. Um, it is not an easy solution, especially when the city of Calgary does not have a medical officer of health on staff. So they're definitely taking their guidance from the provincial government, who obviously through Alberta Health Services has the majority of the expertise on that front. Um, in this particular case, specific to this question about those 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 facilities, uh, I think that the chief medical officer of health has been pretty clear in terms of what is safe and what is not safe to do within the province of Alberta. So I really look towards uh, the management of those recreation facilities to be able to implement those recommendations. I think they've been doing a very good job of that up until now. The 
difficult, especially in difficult circumstances where we keep going back and forth between open and closed and open and closed. Uh, the city administration has been doing a fantastic job in terms of ad, uh, sticking to those rules. I'm looking forward to this being a lot more clear now that we're firmly in a fourth wave of the pandemic, not entering into a fourth wave of the pandemic. Um, and sticking to those rules and making sure that uh, the staff at those recreation facilities are able to facilitate uh, the guests having as safe and enjoyable an experience as possible. Thank you, DJ. Angela, minute and a half whenever you're ready. So I spent the last four and a half years working at the Confederation Park 55 plus activity center and one of the hardest things for us was trying to maintain our services to our seniors and make sure that they were still being taken care of, that they weren't uh, feeling isolated, that we could create those connections within that city facility. One of the real issues that I think we're facing with COVID-19 is that we're not anticipating the future in a way that we should, and that we need to come together in a time of uh, non-crisis or in peace and put together mandates with the provincial government, with the municipal government that can just trigger and we can all have a clear understanding of what should happen. Because we had to shut down classes, register people in classes, put them back in the classes in a way that, uh, that took a lot of time, a lot of planning, and a lot of money. So um, understanding that we're facing different challenges in our next 40, 50, 100 years, we need to anticipate them, plan for them, and create policies regardless of our political ideologies. Thank you, Angela. DJ, I'm going to give you one minute to follow up, but I want to ask also ask this question because it is also prominent right now. Earlier this week, council held an emergency session of council around passports, vaccine passports. How would you have voted at that council meeting? And are you in favor of the mask mandate? That's what other questions that we had received as well. So one minute to yourself. Uh, I love it. Bonus question. Fantastic. Um, uh, public health care is a provincial government responsibility. Uh, I've written about this on, on, on my website where you can actually see exactly how I would have taken the steps through this. Uh, the only way that I believe that the city, uh, city council should be getting involved is when uh, the pandemic has uh, gone to the point where it becomes a state of local emergency. There was a meeting a couple of weeks ago declaring that, yes, that's where we're at. Then it's time for the city of Calgary to act. Um, the, the specific bylaw that was brought forward came prim primarily from the business community and from Calgarians who are generally in agreement uh, that we need to get this uh, pandemic under control and simply leaving things to go their own way is not going to get it done. That particular bylaw came from the business community. Yes, I absolutely would have supported it. Uh, mask mandate. Um, unfortunately, I wish that we didn't have to have it. But uh, if that's the thing that's going to get us out of this, so be it. Now, let's actually get this under control so that we can get rid of those things as quickly as possible and get back to normal or a better normal. Thank you, Angela. Minute and 10 seconds to yourself. <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat the question? 
Earlier this week, council had a emergency session of council where they talked about vaccine passports. How would you have voted on said vaccine passport bylaw? And what is your position on the mask mandate? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we feel abandoned by the provincial government. We feel like it, uh, it has to be taken to city council. We have to declare a state of emergency. And when you are surrounded by seniors who just want to go out and grocery shop, and if you can just wear a mask and they feel safe, it's really hard to argue with that. You know, it's, it's really hard to argue with the idea that helping people feel safe within our community is a problem. Uh, I, I, I'm a woman, obviously, and, um, you know, we've been having our bodies mandated forever. So maybe we're a little bit more used to it. Um, wear a mask to make sure that we can all have the same participation in community. So, yes, I would have voted for both those things. Thank you, Angela. Topic number three, and this question goes to Angela first. This is about infrastructure spending in Ward 4. This question comes from Dustin. Ward 4 hasn't received any significant funding for community-focused projects or amenities in decades, despite being a large contributor to the city's tax base. What specific projects would you champion as Ward 4's next councillor, and how would you get these approved? A minute and a half to Angela whenever you're ready. Sure, that's a great question, Dustin. And, um, you know, I've, I've never hidden this fact. I've been a fan of Greg Miller since he ran last time. And the sad thing is, is I could have taken Greg Miller's platform from four years ago and just put it out there again because nothing has been done in our ward. We need a champion for our ward. We need somebody that understands that our neighborhoods have value, our voices have value. And one of the first things I would actually work towards is our Confederation Park Creek and daylighting our stormwater system so that we can actually take care of our waterways in a way that uh, matches the time. It worked at the time 50 years ago, but it's not working now. And there's great research, great plans by the Friends of Confederation Creek that help us to understand that that infrastructure needs to be put in place in order for us to actually create a better stormwater system. So for me, it's about going back to the basics and the essentials, understanding and anticipating the future and creating infrastructure that will provide what we need for the future. Thank you, Angela. DJ, a minute and a half to yourself whenever you're ready. Uh that's actually the exact same project that I would I would make a top priority. Um, Confederation Creek going through Confederation Park also connects through Highland Park, which uh, um, definitely has uh, uh, some issues around there. It's currently before the courts, assuming that that gets resolved and that green space stays in uh, or moves over into city hands. I think that makes a ton of sense. 
because it also on the other side goes through Charleswood and Brentwood. They're not exactly connected, but then it actually goes up into uh, Edgemont, just at the south end of Edgemont there as well. That all is actually one big catch basin. And from that point of view, I definitely am interested uh, from a recreation standpoint, a climate change standpoint, a water management standpoint, a risk management standpoint. It makes a ton of sense to actually take a look at that uh, 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 body there to be able to say, how can we connect this together uh, in order to have recreation benefits, all of these different things to be able to make it a little bit, uh, a little bit more uh, useful. The one thing I will say, though, is um, this question comes from not just from what a specific project, this is a problem that we have had with the Ward 4 incumbent, uh, uh, that we are not getting enough investment in Ward 4. Right now, we are paying for uh, a lot of the new 14 new communities that he, uh, that he approved on the outskirts of the city to be able to get those up and running. Uh, ward 4 has uh, tax dollars. We need a percentage of those tax dollars to stay in Ward 4. And I'm really interested in taking a look to see what we can do to keep them there. Thank you, DJ. Angela, minute if you wish. Sure. So, let, let, I mean, let's talk for a second about the debacle that was the decision around selling off the Highland Park property. For instance, before they did, or literally before they um, did the study, they sold the property or changed the bylaw to make it property that could be densified. And then they did the study. So we need to put the environment first. And I think this is something that, you know, unfortunately DJ Kelly and I agree on almost everything. Like we need to put the environment first. So before we make these huge policy decisions, we need to clearly understand how they make a difference to all of us and all our communities, not just the money. Thank you, Angela. DJ, one minute to you if you wish. Yeah, I mean, Angela and I are in full agreement on this one for sure. Uh, that Highland Park project was uh, entirely unfair to the developer, to the city, to the residents. There was just bad decision made upon bad decision and the approval of the sale never, in my opinion, I know it's before the courts right now, just in my opinion, never should have went forward to begin with. Um, but I would say that the bigger issue here really is around uh, keeping a percentage of those Ward 4 tax dollars in Ward 4. That is a, a conversation that I would love to have with community groups uh, to be able to say, is there a portion? And one of the projects that I would advocate through our campaign is how do we actually literally keep a portion of our uh, of the city budget at the neighborhood level so that neighbors can actually have a conversation about what you would like to do to spend that money on? Do you want to spend it on graffiti removal, more trees in the parks, more policing, whatever, whatever city service it is that you would like to. Here's the base level of service that we're going to offer. But here's a little bit of the city budget that you can actually uh, choose to align uh, and spend within your community. Thank you, DJ. Sorry, you guys are doing well. You're keeping on time. And we're at topic number four. And this this question is posed to Mr. DJ Kelly first. And this is policing and defund the police. The question is from Miss Davis. The Calgary Police Service has been in the news in the last year with the rise of the defund the police movement. The question is, how do you view the Calgary Police Service? And 
what is your position on the defund the police movement? One minute and 30 seconds to DJ whenever you're ready. Yeah, I've uh, I've had nothing but great experiences with the Calgary Police uh, Service. Um, I, I'm in a pretty privileged position that uh, that that I've been able to have those great uh, relationships. Um, that being said, my, my position on de- on the quote unquote defund the police is um, exactly the same as Police Chief Newfelds, which is we already partner with many different groups. And if moving a bit of the police budget over to those groups so that they can be a better resource for Calgary police, all the better. Because there are many times when a person with a gun or a bulletproof vest showing up to a situation does not make it better. It makes it worse. And the Calgary Police Service has recognized this. Um, there's the, we already have these relationships with Bear Clan Patrol, uh, um, the DOPE team. There are re- examples of these kinds of relationships that work in the city. So I'm supportive of uh, what Police Chief Newfeld has put forward in terms of his recommendation. And uh, most importantly, I think we just need to have the conversation. We need to be open to having the conversation and just simply saying no right off the bat, I don't think actually does anyone a service, including the police uh, uh, department themselves who have an awful lot of experience in this area and can make some really good recommendations for where support from the community can actually enhance the work that they're doing. Thank you, DJ. Angela, minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. So I think one of the biggest problems that we have with politics is we consider this either or philosophy. Either it's defund the police, get rid of the police, or keep the police and strengthen them. And we need to get the right people doing the right jobs. And when there is some kind of episode where um, somebody potentially needs a wellness check, and three police officers have to show up with uh, one of one of these social wellness people. That triggers people in a way that I don't think uh, we understand when we talk about privilege or we talk about um, when we talk about how it what it means to live in a place where the police don't value you and. I think that our police are here to serve and protect and the majority do a great job and we need them. And I appreciate that. And I also agree with DJ that we had this idea where they are incredibly interested. Chief Newfeld's incredibly interested in putting money towards other situations. And then the city, I don't know what happened in city council. They said, no, thank you you know, less, less money, they give them less money. So I'm sorry, I'm getting the 15 seconds. I'm getting the <laughs> rush here. So I'm going to let DJ Kelly take that one because no, right? like there was the I, whole, it was the whole situation with um, chief Newfeld and, and they were willing to give us like, get like put a portion of the police funding and then I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off here <laughs> just so that way, because I want to, I want to follow up on this because you both talked about the word privilege. There are people in this city who are not privileged, uh, who are, who do have to look over their shoulder when they're walking down the street and they're identified because might be because of their skin color. How will you represent those people 
those not those people, but how how will you represent all Calgarians, but at the same time, still be in favor of the Calgary Police Service, who still have to look over their shoulder. DJ, minute to yourself. Um, yeah, just to finish off Angela's thought there from earlier. Um, yeah, council took a sort of politically expedient position on that uh, last time, and they basically said, we'll take some money out of like the rainy day fund and we'll, we'll invest in those organizations so the police can keep their budget. Very strange choice, in my opinion. But uh, the 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 nuance is there. The 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 intention is there. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. How do you represent all Calgarians? I mean, my my background is in community engagement. Uh, it is about having conversations with people. You need to you need to be able to facilitate those conversations. Figure out where people are coming from. Uh, I think Angela said it in her previous uh, answer. I'm sick to death of this whole, you know, like my way or the highway or this or that left or right, the sort of traditional politics. There is a better way. And it is about simply having conversations. Uh, and there are a lot of things that the city can do in terms of all of our processes to be able to facilitate better conversations with neighbors uh, in order to be able to come to solutions that we collectively agree to. Thank you, DJ. Angela, minute to yourself. Please repeat the question. The question is, we have, uh, we keep on saying the word privilege in your first two questions. You talked about how privilege works. How do you represent people who might not feel privileged to live in this city, who have to look over their shoulder when they're walking down the street, if it's a person of color, an indigenous person? How do you represent Yeah, everyone? absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I talk about with my daughters, I'm, is he frozen or am I, am I still, am I frozen? No, okay. So one of the things that we talk about is the idea that why why do you have to feel nervous looking over your shoulder why do you have to have more training as a cosmetologist than you do as a police officer and i know that they are working towards better training and understanding how to deal with the diversity of our city but that needs to be something that happens now. And that needs to be something that happens fast. And we need to support as, you know, DJ, the bear clan patrol, we need to be supporting the people that are on the street, working with the people in a genuine way. And we need to uh, create avenues to be able to protect everyone. Thank you, Angela. Topic number five, and this question is going to be posed to Angela McIntyre. The question is from Jonathan. There is a rise in support for a high-speed rail line from Calgary to Banff for tourism purposes. Do you support such a proposal? And if so, how would you ensure that businesses that rely on tourism dollars here in Calgary don't miss out? Angela, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself. Yes, absolutely. I support that. We need to pull together across Alberta to bring in tourism dollars. That means um, stop working in silos. So it's Calgary versus Banff for 
um, you know, the event center versus arts commons. We need to have a clear understanding that when people are coming to Alberta, they're not seeing us in little chunks. They're seeing us as this full spectrum of beauty and uh, arts and culture and all sorts of different things, mountains and fly fishing that they can engage in. So we need to create all avenues to attract people to our city. You know, we, we people keep saying world-class city. Uh, let's make a world-class city. But we're there, but let's make sure that we can get people around in it. Let's make sure that we can get people from the airport to downtown, from downtown to Banff. Like, let's make it happen so that um, when people come to Alberta, they ha can have the best of Alberta and they can fall in love with it like, like we do. Thank you, Angela. A minute and 30 seconds to yourself, DJ. Um, I mean, Angela started, started that question with a yes, absolutely. I, I don't know if I can give it a, a, a yes, absolutely at this point. Uh, there's, it's an idea at this point, and I admit it is an intriguing idea. I am very interested. I mean, how many times do we know from tourist groups that they've actually called the Calgary International Airport the Banff International Airport? You know, land in Calgary, hop on a bus, and off you go to the mountains. I mean, that is, that is a tried and true uh, uh, route for sure. Um, but I, I am, I'm intrigued by this idea because there is a real opportunity to go skiing or sightseeing in the mountains during the day and then come experience the nightlife of Calgary downtown uh, in the evening. And a rail line would definitely facilitate that uh, for sure. The, uh, I would need to see the details of the proposal to be able to figure out how support I am of a specific proposal. What's the role of the city of Calgary in that? What's the role of the private sector in that? Uh, do we need the city to, to be an investor or is it more about infrastructure or land deals or what, what would that actually require? Um, I look forward to seeing some details on a proposal so that we can actually see if there's something here that the city can do to support this. But in general, yeah, it sounds like a great idea, but there's an awful lot of hurdles that I could see potentially to putting a rail line from downtown all the way to all the way to Banff that um, I'd love to see the details to see how we can make that work. I'm just going to repeat the second part of this question for Angela for the last minute for the minute. Um, it was around how would you ensure that tourist businesses in Calgary, if you were in favor of the line from Calgary to Banff, would not miss out on tourism dollars if people are flying into Calgary, getting on a high-speed rail, and going out to Banff? How would you ensure businesses don't miss out on potential tourism dollars here in the city? One minute, whenever you're ready, Angela. Well, you know, thanks for repeating that question, Chris. And, and I think I did answer it with the idea that it, we have to take a more holistic approach to how we benefit tourism. So, for instance, when people fly into Calgary, we have to make sure that we have the event centers, arts commons, museums, great restaurants. We have to make sure that those businesses are still thriving by us all locally supporting them. We'll just plug locally support all your businesses if you can. But uh, creating these beautiful interactions with all of Alberta. So stop in Calgary, go to the museum, get to Banff. You know, we need to partner. We need indigenous leaders 
to get in the driver's seat when it comes to tourism because they have so much to share and we need to take a back seat to what they're doing in terms of culinary delights, uh, fantastic <laughs> portrayals of of uh, how great we are. And I'm getting the 15 second wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Angela. Sorry. I was told last night that the, I need a one that says five to 10 seconds. So I need like this zero. I need like the stop. <laughs> um, oh, no. DJ, a minute to yourself. Uh, yeah. When I, when I first started my career coming out of university, I spent 10 years working in the art sector. Uh, I was president of the Calgary Professional Arts Alliance, uh, the Betty Mitchell Calgary Professional Theater Awards. Uh, I'm incredibly excited about some of the projects like the Arts Commons project, the Glenbow Museum project, the revamp that they're doing there. Uh, music Mile, I mean, we already know about the East Village and the, and the um, uh, Music Centre and the King Eddie and uh, the National Music Centre and the King Eddie there. There are all kinds of amazing things happening in Calgary right now. And I definitely would say that if we're if we're looking at this corridor out to the mountains, we want to take the best of both worlds. How do we bring them together? Um, that which is why I think this is a really interesting project that should definitely be studied. Um, and like I said, I, I look forward to sort of seeing the plans so that we can find some ways to see if there's an opportunity to do this, because the high speed rail could actually solve one of the problems that we have right now, which is, like I said, Banff International Airport straight out there. And then we're not actually seeing as many of those uh, tourist dollars in Calgary um, as we could. Thank you, DJ. Topic number six, this question is posed to DJ Kelly. First, this topic is the Green Line Phase 2. Again, I kind of lied. I apologize. The COVID-19 was not the only hot topic su subject. Green Line was as well. So this is a hybrid of multiple submissions. The question is, phase one of the Green Line is set to start soon. While phase two, which would go through Ward 4, is being put on hold due to lack of funding. The question is, how will you be an advocate for the expansion of the Green Line to continue north of 16th Avenue? And what are your thoughts on the current Green Line funding? So a minute and a half to DJ whenever you're ready. Well, he froze. So I'm just going to say I should start now and you'll cut me off at a minute and 30. Um, this is, I don't know how I'm going to answer this question in a minute and 30 seconds, because this is actually a really, really big one. Um, for, first thing I would say is that uh, um, it, it is incredibly disappointing that this line is not going all the way through to North Point. The, right from the start. I get it. It's an expensive line and there was a, a limited number of dollars that we could have for it. But the reason why it's going to the south first and not and not to the north, I think, is um, entirely because the primary advocate for this project was Councillor Shane Keating in the southeast. I, I'm very convinced that if we had a strong advocate in Ward 4, we would see the line going further north than what it's scheduled to go right now. Uh, further to that, I'm actually really worried about how uh, the project is currently constructed uh, with, I mean, you mentioned phase one and phase two, but phase one has now been broken into stage one and stage two. Stage one being the boring through downtown and all the way to the southeast. 
they have to, according to meet the provincial government's uh, 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 mandate on it, they have to complete that first before they're allowed to build the bridge across in case they run out of money. So I am very worried that if we don't have a strong advocate for uh, for the um, for the project in Ward 4 moving forward, that we're not even going to see it make it across the river in this phase. I'm assuming I've unfroze, but uh, Angela, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself. We, we need a champion in Ward 4 for our ward. We need somebody that understands what it takes to travel through this ward on transit, that understands that uh, climate change is making a difference in the way that we all travel around. And we need a champion to understand that the corridor that we create along Centre Street has to be not only a boost for businesses, but also has to have um, safety, community and equity and accessibility in mind. So we can't just um, think about the green line as, as a transit mode. That's number one, what we need. That's been shown by our uh, BRT. We're making money off that. People need that. But we need to make sure that the corridor that we are creating isn't dividing neighborhoods, that I feel comfortable when my daughter's there to take the C train. I feel comfortable when I'm there to take the C train. You know, when we talk about uh, harassment of women and BIPOC and marginalized gender identities, we need to make sure that these corridors are safe and beautiful so this attracts tourism too see we're all everything matters when we have beautiful transit we attract tourism dollars and that makes a difference to our bottom line thank you angela um as you both have uh, kind of agreed here this is a, a big subject so instead of the next minute i'm going to give both of you a follow-up a minute and 30 seconds so that way if you want me to repeat the question so that way you can uh, ensure that you cover everything i can do that would you like me to repeat the question just to make sure yeah let's hear it one more time just to be positive that we're so the question it. is while phase two, uh, sorry, phase one of the green line is set to start soon. While phase two, which would go through ward four, is being put on hold due to lack of funding. The question is, how will you be an advocate for the expansion of the green line to continue north of uh, north of 16th Avenue? And what are your thoughts on the current funding? DJ, a minute and 30 seconds again to yourself. Yeah, I talked a little bit about the funding currently uh, uh, in my in my previous minute and 30 seconds. I would say uh, it is time already to start uh, fundraising for the next leg uh, uh, or the next phase of this already. Um, the thing that I really love about this particular design for this green line is the fact that it's low floor transit. It's not the same as like what we see going up down the middle of Crowchild Trail with these big stations and whatnot. It's, it's kind of neighborhood scale is, is what I would describe it as, which provides a lot of additional benefit. It is not just about getting people to downtown. Uh, um, it also can become a hub of businesses because it's not connecting a parking lot to downtown like most of our current LRT network is. There's an opportunity here to be able to build coffee shops, pubs, retail, 
immediately around these stations that have sort of the, the station platform is just sort of like twice the height of an average curb. So as a result, it'll fit into the neighborhood a lot better than any of the existing LRT stations that we currently have. When I'm having conversations with people at the door, that idea of having a, a walkable uh, coffee shop really appeals to them. Or if you have a favorite restaurant that's just at the station further north from you, you can hop on the train and just go one stop up to be able to go to that restaurant. That is the real economic benefit that we see from the green line. It is not just about getting people downtown. That's the added benefit. But let's actually see it in Ward 4, the real economic benefit to Ward 4 with this. Thank you, DJ. Another minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Angela, whenever you're ready. Unfortunately, I think DJ and I are just um, fighting on the same side here because when you're talking about advocating for money, he brought up Keating and how do we get funding? You fight for it. And we haven't had anyone fighting for it. How do we ensure that we make it all the way to the north as it was originally intended? We fight for it. We keep it on the table. We keep it as a standing point. You know, this, this idea around, you know, that perhaps we will give you funding if we aren't in debt from our first section is uh, it's, it's terrifying because we are underserved in the North. We all understand that. We all understand that we need better choices for transit. And we all understand that we need to champion this in order to get it through. So how do we advocate to get the funding? We hold the people accountable that said that they would do it. And that's the provincial government. They said that they would fund this. Let's make it happen. Thank you so much, Angela. Now, as those were the six topics that we uh, had discussed at the beginning of the, uh, before the beginning of the debate, uh, we still have a few minutes, and as the next councillor for Ward 4, you will sometimes have to think on your feet. <laughs> so we have two questions that were posed by the audience who are watching this. So these are not even things that we, you and uh, the three of us have talked prior to live streaming this. So the question is, and this is kind of good because you both admitted it to it in this debate so far, is... Angela and DJ have quite similar platforms. To that question, both, both of you, so uh, we will start with Angela first. What is the one most important difference that distinguishes you from the other candidate currently in this debate? Angela, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. So what is the one thing that distinguishes distinguishes me? Is that the question? Yes, that is that that is the exact wording that the gentleman used. I don't want to pronounce his name because I'd probably butcher it. So a minute and 30 seconds about the one thing that distinguishes you from the other candidate in this debate right now. Sure. Um, there have been more men named John on Calgary City Council than there have been women. So. You know, as I've said this before, people say, are you playing the woman card? This isn't about gender. But yes, it is. We need more women on council and we need more women in power 
and we need to protect the safety of women by allowing women to take these positions of power. So um, there can be a lot of talk about allyship and, and how do we make this, this world good for women? Well, allow women to sit at the table, you know, allow them to, to join in and allow them to have a voice. So that, that's the difference. Thank you. Uh, DJ, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Yeah, uh, this is a great question uh, because um, when I think about what is the difference here, it's really about why am I running to begin with and what do I bring to the table versus any candidate, including uh, the incumbent uh, in Ward 4. And that's the experience of knowing how to get these things done. I've, um, I, Chris, very similar to your here tonight, I've moderated uh, in 2010, 2013, and even in a little bit in 17, moderated several of these conversations. And I've always been really disappointed in the majority of candidates who don't get into how are they actually going to get this stuff done. There's an idea, we have an idea for how to do it, but what do you actually, what you wanna do, but how are you actually gonna get it done? Uh, and so that's what I think I bring to the table is in terms of the experience. I worked at City Hall for uh, for six years, including uh, a stint of time there where we were talking about um, the organization of the city. And I had one si senior city manager at the city tell me once, he was like, you, as a result of that organizational development project, you probably know how the city as a whole works better than anyone else does. And I think that that's a lot of the stuff that we need to have around the council table is not just having a councillor who uh, um, has an ideological bent about these are the things that I insist upon and none of this and yes to this. It's actually about somebody who has the experience for how to get things done. I've passed two notices of motion through council, not even as a city councillor, uh, uh, Open Data Catalog and Poet Laureate, uh, which we did with uh, private funding, by the way. Um, I feel that those are skills that, uh, that I can bring to the council table in order to be able to make Ward 4 even better. Angela, do you want to follow up on that? One minute. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I is not what I'm about. It's about us. What can we do together? So um, I, I should maybe spend a lot more time talking about what I have done. But what I'm looking for is what we can do together. And what I'm really excited about is our community's plans. When we talk about um, the Greenview industrial area and how strong that community is and how much they're advocating to make that area even better, how we do it is we trigger a 1% tax within that area to build up that area. And that is something that can be done. And that's how we do it to make sure that they have the infrastructure to revitalize their neighborhood. So yes, how, and because we should. Thank you, DJ, one more minute to you, and then we'll go on to the next question. Yeah, I, I mean, Angela and I are going to be in agreement on here that it is about community conversations. That that is the that's the number one way that that we get through a lot of this sort of stuff, uh, and we have to work together. We need to get rid of this dichotomy, left versus right, uh, all of these kinds of things, to be able to really get down to the brass tacks of it all. That's the kind of thing I have experience with as the manner uh, as the the president of the Winston Heights 
community association. We did projects like a, uh, an Edmonton Trail visioning session. Um, I used to work with, uh, do some stuff um, with Civic Camp in terms of having some large scale community visioning sessions. There are real opportunities that we can do there. I work in community engagement, facilitating these conversations uh, on a regular basis. Um, I think that we need somebody who will actually not say, this is what I want to do, but somebody who will say, here's how I'm going to figure out, I'm going to help you figure out what you collectively want to do to be able to have the greatest impact. And there are tools and techniques that we can use to, do, to achieve that. Thank you, DJ. The next question is from Emily, and this is on representation. Uh, please note, uh, for those who are listening, I did not come up with these questions. These were questions submitted by the people of Calgary. Emily asks, I have tried to contact my elected official in Ward 4 numerous times. I often don't hear back from him, or if I do, I get a staffer reply via email. My question to the candidates is, how would you ensure you respond to the people who elect you and not have your staff respond? Uh, this will start with, I believe Angela started the last one. So DJ, this is up to you. Minute and 30 seconds. Uh, going around door knocking, I'm now door knocked in every neighborhood in, in Ward 4. And I have to say, this was the one thing that I thought that, that the incumbent was actually doing well. But I have heard in literally every neighborhood this exact frustration that they're not getting any responses. And when they do get responses, they're like one line emails from an iPhone type thing, but there's no necessary follow up. Um, this ties into actually, I love this from where I left off on the last question around tools and techniques uh, in order to be able to uh, facilitate these kinds of conversations. Uh, I've heard a lot of candidates talk about things like, I promise I'll do more town halls and I promise that I'll send more e-newsletters and those kinds of things. No, I believe this actually requires an actual uh, systemic fix in terms of how we actually facilitate conversations with, uh, with people in the neighborhoods. I think there's a lot of opportunity here to start delivering information uh, from the city of Calgary to residents that is specifically targeted for you, your route that you take for work, your interests. There are opportunities to investigate those kinds of things. Um, but of course, there is going to be every once in a while that you're going to have a question about something very specific. The office is always going to be open. I will. I know you said that rather than a staffer, but we will have a staffer who is specifically uh, trained in community engagement and focused on making sure that anything that comes into the office gets on my desk so that I can have a personal conversation with you. Right before this uh, this debate here, I actually had three conversations with Ward 4 people, 15-minute-long conversations, right up until the moment that we went on air. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we'll be doing a lot more of if I'm elected as your Ward 4 representative. Thank you. Angela, a minute and 40 seconds to you. <laughs> 40 seconds. Are we changing, Chris? Uh, Just being cautious of time. <laughs> so one of the things that I have learned is that you have to go where the people are. So it cannot just be emails or social media. There are people that you have to reach on a face-to-face -face basis, uh, on a telephone basis, working with seniors uh, when I started at Confederation Park 55 plus activity center, about 65% of them had email, but the rest didn't. 
And uh, I was used to uh, I was used to communicating through email and you, you have to develop strategies for everyone. So there is no excuse not to communicate nowadays. We can call, we can Skype, we can go for a walk. In fact, I invite anyone to come over and have a coffee on my front lawn. I'm happy to chat about what we're doing. And I would hope and I know that whatever staff is working with me as your Ward 4 City Councillor will be so knowledgeable so understanding and so considerate of of what your needs are that uh, you will you will never feel sad about talking to a staffer. Um, I will create a t- team that will will uh, help us all together. Thank you, DJ. A minute follow up. Yeah, I wanted to build on what Angela was actually just saying there, because um, I think that part of the issue that we have right now related to the staff is just how poorly served Ward 4 currently is. Um, And Angela's point about going to where people are, I mean, this is a in community engagement. This is a basic equity, diversity and inclusion uh, um, uh, thing. Um, you need diversity of opinion around the table and not everyone is necessarily immediately going to just like jump up and participate in the processes that you have in place. You need to actively take the steps to make sure that everyone feels included in that conversation and changing, as I was saying earlier, the techniques that you're using in order to provide opportunities for people to be included. And then when you have them around that table, you need to make sure that you you follow equity best practices in order to make sure that everyone feels comfortable comfortable participating in the process that you have as well. Thank you, DJ. Angela, one minute to you, and then we'll have our final question, then we'll go into closing statements. Sure. So um, when we're talking about communication, when we were, as we are all going through COVID, we realize how much it means to have a community around us and have people around us. And one of the outstanding things for me is the community associations that have been running without any real direction and without staff and keeping those places for people to come back to. So, um, the volunteers, uh, as I'm going door knocking, people aren't telling me uh, what they're doing. They're telling me what their neighbors are doing. So building community face to face and being part of the community is so, so important. Thank you. The last question will be posed to Angela, I just wanted to make sure I'm doing this correct here. Angela, this is another question that was posed prior to this tonight's debate. Um, Do you have any thoughts on how, as a city, we can keep our children safe and ensure that they stay here and don't leave after college? Minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. Sure. So uh, I have three daughters. Um, Keeping our children safe uh, means building community, building family, having people on the streets, 
understanding who's there, being friendly, being part of the team, being part of the community. Uh, when we talk about crime, when we talk about being afraid of our children's safety, one of the things, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid. I'm a block parent child. So when I grew up, we had block parent in the windows. If, if you're ever afraid, go to the block parent. So I think that we really need to go to our grassroots level, back to the basics, and start getting to know our neighbors again and create that template that can be carried through all communities. Do you know your neighbor's name? Do you know their address, their email address, their telephone number? How do you get a hold of them? Let's make sure that that's important again. Let's make sure that uh, people matter again. And that if you need a hand, they're there. And I know they already are because when I'm at the doors, that's what they're telling me, that, uh, that their community means so much to them. So let's keep those successes going and sharing them within our communities. Thank you, Angela. DJ, and then 30 seconds to yourself. Yeah, I, I have an eight-year-old and uh, a 10-year-old. Actually, I should correct that. They they're both have birthdays like within this month. I, th- I think I right now have a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old who's about to be 11. I uh, should get that one right, right? Um, boy and a girl, um, the youngest is immunocompromised, so safety is definitely one of the biggest things that we're paying attention to right now with COVID. Um, uh, Angela brings up a really good point here in terms of uh, uh, community. This, this is the reason why I moved into the neighborhood that we moved into. Um, and I've definitely seen it in every ward for a community, how tight knit the communities actually are and how people look after each other. The number of people who I knock on the doors and I say, how long have you been here? And they say 20, 30 years is absolutely amazing. Um, and I almost find nobody in the middle because it's either 20, 30 years or I moved in within the last year or two, but those folks quickly get brought into the community as a whole. And that's one of the great things about the Ward 4 communities. Um, The second part of your question there, Chris, or not your question, but the second part of the question was really around how do we stop our our kids from leaving uh, at university age? The short answer to that is uh, uh, we start talking more about the real strengths that Calgary has. Economic diversification has to be one of our top priorities. And how do you attract companies to come to Calgary? It's the same thing that will keep our university students here. It's investment in uh, accessible transit, affordable housing, great public spaces. Those are the kinds of things that we need to make to be our top priorities in order to really uh, bring the economy back uh, into full scale. Thank you. Uh, A minute follow-up, Angela, if you wish. Sure. Yeah. So I'll answer the second half of that question. And when I'm speaking to, to my kids, to the youth, the university students, what matters to them is that we have a clear understanding about human rights, that everyone matters. They want to live in a city that values everyone. They don't want to be worried about protecting people um, just because they're they're different or women or, or whatever it is that we have. They want us to understand that there's a climate crisis. Like we are on the verge. We are there. We are, we need to fix this and we need to get better. So 
within all of that, we can build economic diversity and we can build attainable housing, but we need to create a kind place for people who live. Thank you, Angela. One last minute to DJ and then closing the statements. Yeah, the, I mean, the number one reason why uh, we're hearing an awful lot from our university age students, and I work at the University of Calgary, so I see the students every single day, although not so much last year. Um, the, the number one thing that we're hearing from them I mean, that they're looking to actually, uh, uh, why they're looking to move away is because they don't feel the place has the same values as they do. And so this is what, you know, Angela was talking about uh, um, uh, the economic or the, pardon me, the climate crisis, but that also goes to like just the, the number of the provincial government and members of council who like to complain about simple things like public art and multimodal transportation. Uh, it's too much. They look at that and go, you don't share my values, I'm out. And I would argue that the Ward 4 incumbent has definitely been one of the people who's been at the center of that kind of behavior. We have a real opportunity right here in order to be able to remove uh, someone who behaves in that kind of way and replace them with somebody who uh, actually is a champion for those things that our uh, uh, university age students are looking for in Calgary. Thank you, DJ. Closing statements will now begin. Uh, they will be two minutes in length and they will be in reverse alphabetical order it by last name from the opening statements. Angela McIntyre will go first. Two minutes, closing statement, whenever you're ready. Oh, and before you do start, I should mention this because this happened at last night's debate in Ward 11. Please give your contact information for people to actually get out and contact you because uh, you have 24 days left in this campaign and people will probably want to talk to you and ask you more questions. So contact information as well, if possible. So whenever you're ready. Sure. Well, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you do it. This is some hard work having to listen to so many politicians, hey, over and over and over again. I really appreciate it. And I, and I appreciate anybody that's willing to watch this and give us ideas on how we can make our city better. What does our future look like? How are we going to do it? And how are we going to do it together? So um, these are my main concepts around what we're doing, community, equity, and innovation. I'm McIntyreWard4.com. So if you want to get a hold of me, go straight to the website. Um, take a look at my stuff. I love criticisms and accolades. So either way, uh, let me know what you think I'm doing right or wrong. And, and this is something that I've told all the groups that I've met with from the firefighters to the youth climate action committees to the, you know, if, if I say something to you and I'm not doing it, call me up. Let me know. I, I need to know, you know, hold, hold me to account. And, and if it's not me, hold DJ to account. And, and if it's not him, hold Sean to account, whoever it is, make sure that we are doing what we said we would do because your voices matter and, and this matters right now. We need to ensure that our city is what we want for our future. And this is our chance. I call it fact-based optimism because we have a real chance to pay attention to how we can make things better and how we can build our city better. So I would love to be your Ward 4 city councillor and uh, 
Thank you for your vote. Thank you, Angela. Two minutes to yourself, DJ, whenever you're ready. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. And yeah, I'll echo what Angela said in terms of uh, we really appreciate all the work that you've been putting in. Uh, it's not an easy job with uh, I encourage everybody to go listen to all your podcast episodes that you've done with different counselor and, and mayoral candidates. Um, it's uh, it's great work and I, I really appreciate it. Um, in sort of closing, I just Calgary's in a tough spot right now. Like we we know this. Uh, this is not going to be a surprise to anyone listening here, whether it be because of the the pandemic or the downturn in oil and gas. Um, think things are things are quite difficult uh, right now. It's going to take new ideas and 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 some innovative approaches in order to be able to tackle that. Um, no matter where you stand on it, uh, economic diversification has to be uh, one of our top issues here, and that's not an easy topic to tackle. If it was, we would have done it 10 or 20 years ago. But for whatever reason, uh, the, pre the previous word for incumbent did not make it a top priority. Um, the reason why I say economic diversification has to be our top priority is because we used to be known for a city that had good, stable paying jobs. And as much as we want the oil and gas jobs to bounce back the way that they to, to where they were before, unfortunately, it's just not going to happen in this in the same way. And that's leading to uh, an increase in poverty and exacerbation of homelessness, uh, uh, addictions, mental health issues. All of those things are taxing our system right now. We'll continue to provide supports to those things to, uh, uh, for, for people who find themselves in that area. But we need to address it in a long term systemic way. And the only way in order to be able to do that is by having a council, uh, a Ward 4 city councillor who is innovative and able to work with other people to get things done. And unfortunately, innovation and collaboration are not words that I've heard used to describe the Ward 4 incumbent before. I think we can do better. Uh, if you agree, choose change. That's the slogan. That's the website, djkelly.ca. Uh, happy to have a conversation with anybody who agrees. I'd love your uh, vote this October. Thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, just going to be two seconds here. Uh, I want to thank the candidates for taking time out of their campaign to do this tonight. But I also want to thank you, the voter. Democracy can only happen if we have candidates and voters. By taking time out of your night to watch this debate or listen to it at a later date, you've taken the first step toward ensuring that democracy survives. As I've said repeatedly on the Cross-Border Interview podcast, vote. Take 90 minutes out of your day and educate yourself on the candidates for mayor, for councillor, for school board trustee, for Senate, and vote for the person you want to represent you for the next four years. Just a reminder that advanced voting starts on October 4th and runs until October 10th. Election day is Monday, October 18th. We will be back here Monday night at 7 p.m. with candidates for Ward 6 here in the city of Calgary. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Have yourself an enjoyable night, and we'll be back here Monday night. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates.